0: Just a little friendly reminder out there to all you listeners, make sure to subscribe to the National Land Realty podcast. No matter what platform you use, there is a subscribe button. Make sure to click that. That's how we measure our success and measure the value that we bring to the table. welcome to episode number 63 of the national land realty podcast where we discuss all things land our goal here is to inform educate and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the united states my name is mac christian and i am the chief marketing officer here at national land realty i'll be your host for this episode today we're talking with the crew from buck ventures Cole Cannon, Jeff Danker and Daniel McVeigh are here and we are tackling a controversial topic, shot placement and hunting ethics. Now, we have to put a disclaimer on this because there are no shortage of opinions on the topic. Shot placement and hunting ethics are a personal standard the hunters must put on themselves. It's a line that you draw personally and we aren't judging anybody else's standards. We're discussing our own standards here and it's a line that we have all established for ourselves. However, Make sure to find National Land Realty's social media post on this podcast to chip in on the conversation. We would love to hear your opinion. Also in this podcast, we discuss charitable causes and volunteer efforts that the Buck Ventures team are engaged in. This is something with zero controversy. Their team is doing amazing work with kids. There's a lot of great content here. Now sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here uh, with with part of the Buck Ventures crew. We're waiting on one of them out in the field. Uh, he's driving around in a field right now trying to find a place to park. <laughs> so uh, I have I've Cole Cannon here and Jeff Thinker. Uh How y'all doing? You, you mentioned you're a hunting camp right now. Uh, tell me a little about about what y'all got going on.
1: Well, we. uh one thing we got going on, we got the best cook in camp this week, Miss Arlene. We got to shout it out. We've gained a bunch of weight because she's feeding us homemade biscuits and stuff, Mike, and homemade gravy. T-bones last
2: night. Yeah. Yeah, We've been eating
1: good. Yeah, but we all had an unbelievable time. We had a boy in, 10 years old, with cancer, and uh, he shot a doe last night, or he's actually in remission, so praise God for that. And then we had... uh, another young man that's got an autoimmune disease in um, with us. And then, you know, many of you guys know Wesley Weaver is, uh, I don't think he's handicapped at all. He's in a wheelchair, but he shoots bigger bucks than most of us. So he shot at 158 um, what, a few days ago. Monday
2: or Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Second so, season. Um, yeah. We just had a good time. We've got to share the gospel all week. We've got to have great fellowship and um so yeah weather,
2: weather wasn't great as far as hunting goes we we struggled a little bit on that but it uh it all worked out
1: i mean the thing about it is our ranch is out here um actually we're on one uh that's for sale it's a uh, national land has it listed we're where we're sitting right now this place is for sale and we got giants here um but we kind of pick our times when we're hunting you know we pick those fronts and those winds and we go after it we, and when you have the youth come in. You just got to go hunt, whatever the weather is. And that gets tough sometimes.
0: So tell me about this program that you kind of have or it sounds like a program where, uh, you know, you're, you're bringing in youth that that are going through a tough time or a sort of a life challenge or a personal thing. And you take them out hunting. How did how did you set this up and, and what do you do with this? Well, for years I've been, you know, I started out way back in the day, even two thousand three,
1: two thousand four. We would take uh, kids, Mike, that didn't, that never got a chance to hunt. Maybe their parents didn't hunt, so we kind of started way back then. But then, you know, now we have a company called Woodsman Ministries, and um, and that's basically what it's for. It's it's for kind of the way that we we do the Woodsman Ministries is. To someone that might need to hear the gospel or someone that's going through a rough time, whatever it might be, we just try to go hunting with them and provide that for them and love on them. And, and always our mission is to share the gospel in camp. Um, not only share the gospel, but live it out and, and to teach people how to do that, how to, you know, leave camp, leave church camp, if you will, but continue following God. And, um, so that's kind of our heart here. Um, and we, we were working with courageous kids out of Georgia and they, they, you know, bring kids with us. And, and again,
2: starting with, what 19 or 20, I think was the first year they started him. coming out. Yeah. And it's been, yeah, it's, it's our best week of hunting, whether we shoot something or not, it's a, it's a pretty cool, you know, pretty cool hunting camp. So yeah, we had a good time.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you do things for just like when we took Wesley Weaver the first time, you know, we're taking a man in a wheelchair and thinking, man, it's, it's, we're helping this. But you know, you get someone like that in camp and they inspire you. You know, you that God uses people like that to inspire so many because, you know, I'm walking around on my legs. Wesley can't walk. But he has uh, the attitude from Christ so much that teaches all of us. So it's a uh, it's rewarding. As Cole said, I mean, it's just um, it, it kind of sets the tone for us to go into the rest of the year.
0: That's a that's a wonderful way to give back. How did you all decide to to start doing this thing? Well, again, I think it was just. Um,
1: you know, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, I've been selfish a lot of my years and, and as far as hunting, you know, always wanting to do for myself. And, and I think it just got impressed that on my heart, you know, years back too. So, you know what? God has given us so much here at Buck Ventures. And, um, and again, just, uh, we did it a little bit and then we just kind of want to keep doing it. And we just now it's gotten bigger and bigger. You got the Woodsman ministries now involved, uh, courageous kids. And um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do more of it. We're we're getting now where we're doing more. Of it. Not just one hundred year. We're doing more of
2: it. And I think the Chase Mclemore, who's he's worked for Craziest Kid, he's actually part of our pro staff. And so that's kind of how we got. I, remember, I got hooked up with him. He approached us and you know told us what they're doing. And sure. you know now it's been a couple of years later, and it's better than it ever has been. The first
1: year we took a young man, Mike, that had uh, he had one leg. His ten year old boy had one leg because that cut it off because cancer got into it. And um the boy came out, he was on crutches, he came out and he was just a go-getter. I mean, it changed our life forever. I mean, that that episode actually, if you get a chance, go to the YouTube of Buck Ventures and go find that episode. The young man ended up killing a deer and we shared the gospel all week and he died six months later. And, uh, man, it'll touch your heart. It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. Again, I know that boy's in heaven and I know he's got two legs up there. So, um, but again, you, you know, the deal, I mean, we all take so much for granted and it, uh, that's what we want to share is not to do that, you know, to put our trust in the Lord and, and, uh, do for him.
0: Yeah, I, I had somebody explain it to me once in terms of just being outdoors that you go through life stages and like you go through the youth stage where you don't really pay attention to what you're doing or affecting and you're just in it for I need to go out and get my hunt done and do my thing. And then it, they, they segmented life into gray beard and Mossback. It was the was the kind of joke of terms and like you hit the gray beard stage and you start divulging knowledge. And it's more about helping others. Then you hit the moss backstage and then like you're trying to bring in people in the whole time. And then like you barely do any hunting yourself. It's like you learn you learn to hunt virtually through teaching. And Mm -hmm. you you kind of you you get kind of fulfilled that way. And I've noticed that because I've I've done a few volunteer programs myself where it's it's more fun to watch somebody experience something the first time than it is for me to do it for the hundredth time. No, I agree.
1: I, I I still, I'm not going to lie, I still like shooting a big old deer, but... Oh, nobody's going to say um, that, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all just, no, you're,
1: you're exactly right. I mean, um, you know, like I said, I just think we all got platforms, we all have things that God's given us, and we need to share that, you know?
0: Yeah, well, Um. so so the, the place that you're on right now, you mentioned that that's for sale. Is that your listing, or is that, how's that set up? It's Daniel and I's listing,
1: um, and it's twenty five hundred acres here. We're sitting in a lodge here. It's uh, got some alfalfa, some milo on it. It's got monster whitetails and monster mule deer. Unbelievable turkey hunting, unbelievable quail hunting. It's
0: a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a nice place here. Two miles from the Kansas line. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, two miles oh, from Kansas. Yeah, what's the and what's the name of this place for anybody searching for it? I think
3: it's called Cimarron.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: <laughs>
1: I know I know either. there's we'll get this a one. In there. I don't know. The, what the they two mean. ranches we're hunting. One of them's called the Wallahatchie. It's for sale now. We're we're with Hall and Hall. National land's with Hall and Hall on that. So they got us we got a split listing there, the Wallahatchie. And this one's called Cimarron something, but it's the twenty five hundred.
2: Cimarron Trophy hunting's probably yeah, it. yeah. um it's in um uh, Beaver County, mm.
1: Oklahoma. Yeah, there's two should be two listings in Beaver County and both of them we have.
0: Well, I want to dive into that a little bit, but we had we had a conversation dialed up here beforehand. And my uh, my my digital specialist here will probably throw something at me if I if I don't use her topic a little bit that she picked out. So I wanted to talk about some some hunter safety, specifically shot placement, picking the shot. I think it's something that anybody who goes outdoors and it's. I want to say it's something that new hunters go through a lot of, but I know people that have been hunting for 30 years that still struggle with when to take it and when not to, and they get that buck fever in and they take bad shots. Uh, So, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about how you decide what a good shot is and um, you know, what, where do you make your judgment call on that?
1: Um, I I think Mac probably if I'm teaching on that, you have to, you have to learn it before you're in the tree so in other words we have to we have to set a basic principle before we get there so we know that we got broadside shots we know where to hit that deer we know that we got quartering away shots which is a very ethical shot and where to to shoot for the exit you know to teach people to shoot for the exit so if we got a quartering away shot where is that error going to come out you know where is that bullet going to come out so we know that and then we got to teach that we don't shoot quarter and two shots or frontals or that so 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 you instill the basics in hunters i believe the other basics i i would want to teach is is you know is a deer on alert so for bow hunting one thing i would teach anyone is never shoot to miss a deer so i've heard people say well i aimed right below the heart that way he ducked well if he don't duck you miss him and and I, I say that's a, a no-go. So we always aim, you know, perfect broad shot shot. I do teach, you know, aim for the heart. If you hit the heart, then if you don't duck, you hit the heart. But there is a lot of obviously drop in these deer. So so that and and then you know, um you take a deer that you have to stop, maybe he's on alert. And we definitely want to bury that pin. And and you know, the whole doggone saying that aim small, miss small, that is no joke. And and basically what instilling these young hunters into that is truly do not shoot at a deer because we've all done it. You shoot at the deer and then all of a sudden you're hitting high and that you have to pick a hair. You have to pick a crease. You have to pick that. Now, again, all this is the easy stuff, that basic stuff. Right. And then you go to the field and you screw up. Right. I don't know if you want to add to that. I got a few more things. Yeah, I
2: would, I would agree with that. You, you know, you, you know, going into it, what you're wanting to do, what you're, the shot you're wanting to take, but then, you know, big buck steps out. Pretty much everything, you know, flies out the window. So, you know, you just gotta, hear all the time, you know, you slow the game down a little bit, pick um, that spot. Um, but the muscle memory, the backyard
1: matters. The basics matter. They, they do matter. Um, and then I would tell, the other thing that I would lean towards is, these these guys that are watching our shows, they've watched all these TV shows, and now they've never shot deer, but they want to go out and shoot a 150. And, and so what <laughs> I would teach in that is to go shoot some does. I mean, especially we're talking a lot about archery right now, but bloody arrows, bloody arrows, you know, them does. Because here's the deal. A lot of people can sit in a deer stand, and here comes does, and they're not going to shoot them, and they're not nervous. But as soon as someone says, okay, we're going to shoot this doe, all of a sudden heart starts going, blood starts pumping, you start getting nervous and, and remembering to pick that spot is a, a major deal. And so those bloody arrows is what stacks up to make you a good hunter. crush. I mean, even me, I'm 51 years old and there's many times now that I, I, I go, man, I don't know if I picked a hare. You know, because it's still, but it's so muscle memory, and I know how to do it. And he go, you, know, you know, we can we can definitely dive more into this of when to draw, when to, you know, uh, man at a deer or whatever.
0: Well, I
2: think part of it too is knowing, you know, knowing your abilities, whether you're a a beginner or you've been hunting thirty years, especially, you know, say. Uh, a female who's drawing a bow at 45 pounds is going to have a totally different range. And, you know, than maybe us who are shooting 70 pounds and he's got like 30 inch strong and shooting 50 feet a second faster. It just kind of depends on your abilities and what, um, you know, the weapon you're using and, you know, how comfortable you feel right. at 20 yards compared to somebody who, you know, you might shoot a one at 60 yards and feel confident. It just kind of depends on, you know, level of confidence and what you think you can. Well, and I think in Coastville here too is a guy. We have to teach.
1: You know, this is a, a deer's life, and this is serious business. We don't want to try to get lucky. You know, you you got to put in the time. And again, we're talking a lot about archery, but even gun too. I mean, you know, the gun deal. I would I would tell someone this: if you're a beginner, you you, you got those two shots: a quartering away or a broadside. Someone like myself or Cole, whatever, lots of out there, whatever. And let's just say a deer. I mean, we shot a deer, what, 30 yards in Iowa two years ago with a muzzleloader. I shot him straight on. I would do it time and time again now. When I started out, I would not take that shot. And I I would not teach someone to take that shot. But with my abilities... My experience, I knew that I was going to, I was going to give that deer, I wasn't disrespecting him by shooting him there, because I knew with my abilities, I was fixing to kill that deer. That deer still thinks he's walking around. He don't even know he's dead to this day. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I mean, this is going to what Cole's talking about, the ability and 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 teaching these these young hunters right.
0: I love that you're talking about the hunt in that manner as far as respecting the life that you're taking um you know when when you're talking to the, the, you you and i both have seen the hunting shows where you know they, they go out and dance on the deer's grave and you know it's it's more of a it's it's about the kill and like i got it, you, know, so, you know that that whole mentality which is fine. Everybody's entitled to their own thought process. But I think that there is a a level of respect to have for the hunt and for, for the life that ends for you to be fed, that kind of thing. Um, Tell me a little bit about your philosophies there. I'm curious about that.
1: Oh gosh. Well, I'm going to tell you, I mean, there was a dope shot last night here in camp and me and Cole, I mean, it was hit back and I mean, we were sick to our stomach we were going in to do anything we could to make sure this deer wasn't going to suffer. And I mean, and and I mean, that's my mentality is the respect. I mean, even to the part Mac of killing a deer. And again, while I celebrate when I shoot a big deer, absolutely. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I get to the deer, that deer's getting every bit of respect for me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a doe or a buck. I'm not going to pick a doe's head up and then just drop it when I'm done talking i'm going to set it down i mean i i that's the biggest pet peeve i have someone shoot a big buck and they're just throwing it around like a dame and again right wrong or indifferent that's my heart i I am going to give that deer all the respect that deer just gave its life god put that deer on this earth for us and i believe that i'm going to always do that i want to respect the land i want to respect the game that we're hunting and, um, and you know, the truth of the matter is, Mike, I admire these deer so much. I mean, I'm the guy, I think my our entire crew here Bug Buck Mitchell's, we're the people that's going to church on Sunday morning in our good clothes. And you look out there and see a doe caught in a fence and we'll ruin our dang slacks, everything we got to do to go cut this deer out of the fence and then go try to kill that deer that night. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> that to me is our mentality. And yeah, did,
0: you got anything
2: to add? Oh, sorry. Cole, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add that kind of to this point. I mean, we, we love to hunt, but I think it's because we love, we love, I mean, we literally love these animals and their will to live and just, um, uh, they're just kind of, if you start thinking about what they have to go through every year, um, yeah, we, we really try to respect them as best we can, um,
1: well, teach that. I mean, these kids that were in camp, we we try to teach that. I mean, I think that's what we we owe it to. I mean, this heritage of hunting that God's given us, and to teach these kids the right way because there's a lot of them not being taught the right way.
0: Yeah, Daniel, you got anything to
3: add?
0: I want to make sure to bring yeah. the conversation. Uh,
3: yeah. Well, they they pretty much nailed it, um, the respect factor for us. I mean, I. My career, you know, I guided hunts in in, in Illinois and run hundreds and hundreds of guys every year. We shot... (laughs) so many animals you can't even begin to imagine. But the thing was like, to Jeff's point, was the lack of respect that people sometimes had for the animal, right? I mean, they come in and sometimes they got more money than they know what to do with. And they pay big money and they shot a big deer. And I've had guys drive off from camp and leave the deer and horns and everything and they didn't even want it. And so I never really understood that aspect personally for myself because, I mean, you, I mean Jeff's the same way. Our trophy wall is is a, a, a a wall of respect, you know, not a bragging. I mean, those deer mean a lot to me and, and, you know, they're all named and I can tell you, I can't remember names. I can't remember. um, Sometimes I got so many kids. I just yell, Hey you, but I can remember (laughs) the name of the deer and the day I shot it. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, it's, 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 it's what I try to teach in my kids, you know, I mean, me and Jeff, we've been going with youth hunts even before we started this taking his daughter and my boy to Kansas on another part of the hunt. And that was the most important thing for me when we were there, Jeff, I think you can remember, we talked about a couple of those youth that were coming in where uh, uh, they didn't understand it, you know, cause there was a lack of respect for the animal. So, um, just trying to instill to them, it's, it's a big deal to take a life. It's not a small thing. So absolutely
1: yeah to you daniel's can't... point Mike, we we've had stuff it, it goes even deeper than what daniel's talking about i remember daniel named we named deer stands off our emotions of uh, being out there because you know this deer hunt is an up and down type deal anyway and these deer just they're part of your life i mean they they become a part of your life they, they literally do i mean i've shed tears off deer that i've killed and and not necessarily because the deer's, you know, whatever, but I mean all of a sudden you are hunting a deer and then they're no longer part of that farm anymore and there was such an identity in that ground that God gave us in that deer and then the 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 struggles and the ups and downs of life that we had in that deer helped you get through them. and uh I don't know I I I want to to give that to other people and to teach that. And, and, you know, cause it, it is a cool thing.
0: I was going to say that the hunter's paradox is hard to explain to people that don't hunt. And I, I'm just going to assume that most of the people that listen to this probably hunt. So I'm, I, I'll speak to it a little bit, but yeah, it's, the, it's that, that uh, the balance between you admire something, but then you also hunt it is, is this, it's a weird balance but you don't have to explain it to anybody that does hunt because everybody understands it. Um, I, yeah, you know, except for the, you know, probably the individuals that you're talking about that, that don't have as much respect for the life that's taken. But I think that that can be taught. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about your, how that's grown with you. Like, did, did you, have you always had that mentality? Is it something that came to you over time? Um, you know, it's, because I do, I, I remember just being young and, and, you know, I I joke about it, just being like hillbilly games back with my friends growing up and stuff like that. Like there's definitely like you get the bravado when you're younger and you get perspective when, as you get older, is that something you've always had in you though? Is that because everyone's different?
2: I'd say for me, it, it's definitely grown, you know, yeah, like when you're younger, you just, a lot of times you just want to go out, and shoot something, you know, you're just pumped up What's to go that? shoot something. And then, then, you know, as you get older again, I'm not terribly old, but I am getting a little older. Um, yeah, you start to think about a little more of, of what you're actually doing and um, you know, definitely um respect it more in the process that that goes into it. Um so yeah, for me it's grown. You know, I wouldn't say I never like disrespect an animal big time, but um, yeah, there were times I was just going out to shoot something and you know. We're gonna do whatever we had to do to do that, but now it's a little bit, you know, it's definitely different from me now. Me
1: now um, as I well, I mean, doing what we do, you know, God's give us this platform, this TV show. So there's somewhat of a deal where we do have to prop deer up and take pictures and this and that. And sometimes you're like, "Golly, is this disrespecting or whatever?" I mean, um, I'm not gonna lie. I I had big time moments where I was uh, wanted it to be about me, but I never ever. I mean, I remember one of the, uh, I shot a doe way back in the day and and didn't hit her good. And she was down there, you know, and I literally couldn't get out of the tree fast enough. I was down there in tears time I got there trying to get her put out of her misery. And, and, um, you know, these things happen. Um, but yeah, I've always had a heart for, for what I chased. Um, and again, as Cole mentioned, I think, and Daniel probably agree is, as we're, we're growing. I mean, God has grown us in a lot of different ways. And, um, and this is one of them too. Again, I think to, for me now, I would take less chancy shots than I have in the, in the, the back in the day. Cause I wanted that animal so bad because, you know, the whole world's watching and is Jeff going to shoot a big deer this year? And, you know, I'm to the point now, my God's taught me not to care so much about that, you know, go out and do my job, do it the best I can and and love what I do, um, but respect them. And I'm probably more of a, uh, uh, taking a little even better shots than I, I did
0: even back in the day, if that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Danny, you got yeah, if,
2: you, if you want to start hunting a little less, because you don't want to kill anything else,
0: I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, Cole's willing to fill that void. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, you know, I would second that. I mean, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia. You know, and hunting was more of a way to feed the family, right? And so back then, we shot out of almost necessity and i think the older i've gotten and the more deer we've been around and the deer we've chased and some deer Jeff, you can if we can go back and name you know 100 deer that we were never able to get or were successful for with and in, in, in a whole new appreciation for the animal itself actually builds for me, the longer I've done it, the more I appreciate the animal. The more, and I think with the appreciation comes more respect, you know, um, because, uh, it's, and, and I've, we've had the pleasure of hunting pretty much every North American big game animal, and it's still the smartest animal. So when you're able to outwit that and you do it the right way, um, and, and to just point they made earlier, there's nothing more devastating than, than wounding an animal. I mean, um, you know, I, me and Cole had a bad experience a couple of years ago. I shot a 200 inch deer high and you know, I was more worried about the fact that he was wounded and I couldn't find him than I was for, for losing him, you know? Um, and, and I think that come more and more and more, the more we're out there, the more we experience it and the more it's actually part of who we are.
0: Yeah. I think it's an evolution process just is for like everyone as a person, right? Cause I, you go through, you know, Cole spoke to it, okay. the, I if I if I had to go back and dwell on every mistake that I made when I was younger, I would feel awful for the next month. You know, it, it just there there's a lot of things I can look at and be like, yeah, I'm not so proud of that one. But I think that's what gives, you know, those mistakes build who you are and give you perspective to look back and say, I'm I'm here now because of those mistakes. And, and you know i was selfish or i i took a bad shot or i i you know i i just the getting the buck on the ground meant more to me than doing it well you know that those kind of moments really so as far as and i, I kind of i trailed that off there at the end it was like a bad lead off for y'all but <laughs> i wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a point to be made um well. so how you know you all have grown over time is, is it more about teaching now? Or, you know, you mentioned you still have the thirst for it. You know, you're still getting out there in the field. Obviously you're not hanging it up anytime soon.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Mac, if you go back to the good old days and when I started and Daniel's right there with me is, you know, I, my dad took me coon hunting and and he taught me a lot there and he, he always had me outdoors, but I didn't know what, the wind it meant. I didn't know about that kind of stuff. I, and the truth of the matter is, is it's, it's a hard question for hunters, right? It's a hard question to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it means to flood a betting area. It's kind of like I always put it to this. If, if you're a 20 year old kid and you're sitting in a deal and, and you ask somebody what fourth down meant, what's that mean on, on football? You know, no one's going to do that. You're going to look like an idiot. And the same thing, hunting. And so our deal was education because I learned, I mean, literally I read everything. I watched everything, but I started hunting in Northwest Oklahoma and, and it taught me so much. I would, I would learn, you know, I, I remember, I'll never forget. I was, I was seeing a doe. She was coming to me and she smelt where I walked, but she wasn't even at my trail yet. She had wind it where I walked. And then and, and I remember in North Dakota one morning I'd, I'd, I'd walked in and I'd, I'd walk kind of the wrong way. And I had this big deer coming right down the middle of the tree, tree row and I'm fixing to shoot him and he hits my wind or hits my trail where I actually walked and I lost that deer. So I think for for us is the education has always been there. Um, but now the problem's being that we only had 22 minutes to, to educate, you know, now we got YouTube, whatever, more and more. And so I think, our heart is to educate, is to teach these these boys or girls or whoever it might be, or a, a eight year old boy or a thirty five year old man that never got to learn that he could turn on our channel and he don't have to ask someone how to play the wind and be embarrassed. He can learn it, and um, that is actually what we're heading out to do more and more. I mean, we have a, a, a on our YouTube channel, we have a a uh, where you feel me talking about calling. Mm-hmm. and Call uh, calling in a deer and just going through and not belittling anyone, but just tell them how it is. You know, you ain't got to sound perfect. This is the, the deal, whatever, from my perspective. And it's what at a hundred thousand or, you know, it's got a lot of views and cause people are, they're needing to know that.
0: Those are, that's, I, I like that approach. Um, you know, we we started out the conversation on shot placement when do you not take the shot? What what, do you, what decides for you that, you know what, this just isn't the day?
2: <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a, heavy one. <laughs> uh, I think there's personally, I think there's several factors is whether it's bow or gun, I think it's, um, I mean, I'm, again, we're, we bow hunt and rifle hunt, but as far as bow hunting goes, I think distance, Maybe even the wind. You know, if it's a heavy, you know, thirty mile hour crosswind or something, and you got a forty yard shot, sometimes you you just don't feel confident. You can't hold steady. Um, what else? Well, I
1: mean, I think that again, it goes back to preparing for that day. So, when you prepare in the backyard with archery, you prepare at the gun range with your gun. You prepare your ethics for the basic stuff, but then that day you wake up to a 40 mile an hour wind, you have to prepare yourself then, right? You have to prepare yourself if a 180 steps out, what will be the deal? You know, will I, you know, uh, what I'm saying is you have to do it before the moment. So today I'm going after this buck. I got a 40 mile an hour wind. I'm not going to shoot him unless he's 30 yards or in or, or whatever that might be. Um, You know, the other is, is, is is that like I said? You gotta. I, I again, I, I can't state it enough that you have to be prepared before you get in the moment. You know, because you you won't have the willpower unless you set it then. And and again, back to the respect, and a, again back to the no shoot. Is it's got to be about the animal cool. and not about yourself. That's the big deal. It's got to, your mind has to be prepared about that. Can I make an ethical shot in this situation?
2: And I think one thing too, which I guess can be a tip that I think we all agree on is shooting a deer with its head up compared to down. You know, a lot of people though, especially in states that you can bait or whatever, or feed or with a bow, people shoot a deer with its head down. And it's been proven to show that deer is going to duck. Uh, a lot quicker than if a deer has his head up too. So that's just something to, to keep in mind. We, we try to shoot them with their head up, but you know, sometimes you you get drawn back and you're on them and you're like, well, I'm just going to shoot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a I, great think, tip. I think it's hurt. It's hurt more than, you know, it's helped us. You know, if you let them get their head up, you have a better chance of that deer not ducking eight, nine inches or whatever it may yeah. be.
3: Well, and, and for me to Jeff's point earlier, um, I mean, nothing would have exp- would have helped me more than the experiences of getting a bloody arrow, like you said. I mean, you, you learn from those mistakes. You learn from uh, shooting when a doe was on alert or the wind was different. Nothing can educate you more than those experiences um, because you've had it happen to you before, right? So um, for me, it's just uh, I think as you continue to grow and you continue to hunt more and more, you can get all the tips you want, but until you're in those experiences, about like our kids, you can tell them all they want. Sometimes they just got to stick their finger in the light socket, right? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, they don't yeah, have to drop right. them. And so you can tell everybody all they want, and the deer fever, like you said earlier, takes over, and all that stuff goes out the window. And until you do it, I mean, then we still make mistakes to this day, no matter how much we've done it. We still, um, you know, that's the one enjoyment of whitetail deer hunting to me is that, Sometimes you just get shook and that's why we're out there. It's because it's, you know, the adrenaline rush.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think those things happen. I, I sort of made a promise to myself when I first started hunting, you know, years ago that, you know, if I couldn't, if I couldn't get the job done with one shot, it would just, I wasn't going to do it. And and just, that was just where I stood on it. And I got tested, I think a year out with, had like a five by five, you know, bull elk standing in front of me, like a hundred yards. And I just dropped a ridge, and I was offhand. I had nothing to stabilize myself, and I couldn't make a good shot. And it just like, you know, it was a matter of time before it smelled me and took off. And I, I tried aiming, and and it looked like it looked like I was looking out of a car window. I couldn't hold steady to save my life. Like I was so winded, and it was just like I'm busted. This is all done. And and this, of course, it takes off. And it's, you know, I talk to any one of, you know, any, any hunter I know afterwards, like you take the shot, you take the It's like, no, I didn't take the shot. I just didn't do it. And, and, but then you go through those times where you make those promises to yourself. And I had a dry spell for like, you know, missed on the year before. And then you get out in the field the next year and where you're like, okay, I have to, I have to find something. And then you become more willing to take a bad shot did made a bad shot. It was a bad experience. And it's like, Oh yeah, that, that's why I said I would hunt that way. You know, you get those, nothing ever really locks in a stone. You, you kind of yeah. flex where you think it should and you make mistakes and you learn. <laughs> well, and one thing I want to bring up, Mike is so for somebody listening
1: out there, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you take every one of us in here. I've been hunting a long time. I'm still, I have to prepare myself. I will, I will probably lose a deer at some point again, you know what I mean? I mean, there's times, this is what I want to get out there is, you know, you have to do your very best. And, and when you lose that deer and you do your very best, that's just the way it is. We have to live with that. But if you're losing deer because you're steadily taking bad, unethical shots, that's on you. And that's what I I mean, sh- literally, I mean, if that's your your deal, just because, well, yeah, I'm getting, you know, two out of four. Well, that's baloney. I mean, take ethical high percentage shots because we owe that to the animal. And again, not that we're not going to lose one because things happen out there. But it's on you if if the person doing that is taking low percentage shots and unethical shots, shame on. Yep. Agreed.
0: Well, hey, I want to jump topics here a little bit. Tell me a little bit about working with the land that y'all work with. I know that you all work with with land sales, land listings, and uh, you know, it's not it's not your primary, right? It's it, yeah, but it's something that you all do, um, and, and you know, this is this is self serving, right? Y'all work with national land a little bit, so uh, I, I want to hear a little bit about how how you do work with land and and sort of you know what what is your process for doing that. Or if there well, is you know, that, that I think it. land is our life.
1: I mean, usually you, you mentioned that, yeah, it's not what we exactly do, but and I know what you're saying, but land, I think, has always, as Daniel and I, even back in the day, it's always been about the land from putting a, a boot print on it mm-hmm. to planting a food plot with a Mickey Mouse full-wheeler setup that didn't never work. You know what I mean? To progressing where we are now with tractors and planning and making ground better and, and that kind of stuff. That is our heart. I mean, from Daniel being at his house with his cows to 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 whatever. And then Daniel and I selling land, I mean having a a, a realtor's license and going through that process and national land helping us there and and achieving Being a realtor, that was a big deal for us, especially, you know, we're older. It's hard to learn, you know, Um, but but I think, uh, you know, National Land, the relationship that we've created with so many of you guys over there and y'all taught us a lot. And then uh, and we have made money. We've made a, a good bit of money selling land for other people for buying our own land and this and that. And I know, you know, Cole has uh, had experiences with nice land. He sold a piece of property and done well for himself. So um, we're going to continue to to mess with land, whether we're helping someone build their farm to be able to to sell it, you know, in, in a flip or or someone that's looking for a piece of ground that they want the best piece of ground for deer or whatever it might be, that's kind of our heart. And that's our specialty.
0: Yeah. So, and how long have you been working with, and I wanted to ask how long you've had your license to do real estate? Yeah. That might be, you take over from here. Cause you got, uh, big, big, big. yeah. So I, I
3: had a thing pop up on, my. Uh, timeline yesterday, and that would have been the first piece of ground we sold with national land, which was 2019. Um, I think it would have been 18, Jeff, when we were getting our license and going through all that, and it would have been the end of 18 or whatever when we switched to National Land, and then you know right off the bat our letters start hitting, and the one of the the very first letter I sent out, a guy actually called me yesterday from the letters I sent out there that we sold the very first property I sold sold in Shawnee. Right he called yesterday to relist something else. So that's kind of what showed up on my message timeline. Last time I talked to him was, you know, first of 2019. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, I think we just had a five year land anniversary or whatever it is they posted for. So we're, uh, you know, five years, like Jeff said, it was kind of difficult. You get a little old and we got a lot of stuff going on, you know, that, that test ain't the easiest thing to do.
0: (laughs) I actually just passed the Idaho exam last weekend. So I oh, know they're exactly they're what you're talking haters. about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do, do you all get the celebrity treatment when you pick up a listing like that? Is it like, you know, I got the team from Buck Ventures selling my place.
1: It just depends. It's all depends <laughs> on the guy. Some people love us. Some
2: people don't. And, uh, <laughs> oh, do We like the ones who, want them to list it but say, hey, you can hunt it too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. We've had some of them. You gotta you gotta pick up that new buyer and be like, so now that you pick up this property, you're gonna let yeah. me hunt it? <laughs> yeah. Well and in in reality, you know, the
1: partnership with the National Landmark and Buck Ventures, it has been good and even for ourselves as well. And <clears throat> So, you know, we have we have an outlet, right? We have 300 some thousand Facebook followers. We got this, we got that. We got national TV. So when we pick up a list and we put it on TV, we put it on all that. We do that for other realtors as well inside national land. And I think, I think we're building up even some of the, the real estate guys. And when I say that they're, they, they've done all their hard work, that's all them, but we have another outlet to put their name out there to put their listings out there. And, um, And so the thing with the Buck Ventures Facebook and Buck Ventures following is the people we get to um, and we do get it in front of them, they're potential buyers or they know people because that's their heart, too. Um, And so it's helped us. I mean, we've sold a lot of ground just because of Buck Ventures, I believe. And uh, we'll continue to use that to push that ground. And, you know, it's all about relationships. At the end of the day, you guys know that and treating people right. And that's why National Land's been so successful is because of these guys that are so hardworking. You know, these these realtors, the real estate guys that are with National Land are second to none. They guys are working their ends off and, and they're treating people right.
0: You know, you said something there that makes me want to follow up on it. You mentioned that some people are not as into the show. Uh, you, you, you guys get haters on, on social media?
2: <laughs> Every now and then we'll get a message or a hundred
0: i'm yeah, for a yeah. hundred Cole,
1: Cole, we have you know he's younger we've already been through a lot of stuff he does but he gets so mad he's got smoke coming out of his ears and i'm like dude so every now and then i got to push him back because he'll be responding to him i'm like Cole, you're gonna have to just let it go
0: give it 24 hours man don't do whatever's in your head right now <laughs> yeah. i try to
2: respond nicely sometimes i get alone Probably get a little sarcastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, work on it. I was going to say, y'all have like, you got a lot of irons in the fire between, you know, you got the show, um, you know, you, you all do, you know, land, land improvements and helping people out and, and you do real estate and it's just, it's a lot of hustles around the land. Right. And, and, you know, it's someone from the outside could look at that, like, you know, like, oh, these guys are just trying to like work you know, their audience and then do that kind of thing. I'm, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick it apart on how you can see that negative. But when I, but when I look at it, I'm looking at you all sitting in a lodge in, in the middle of wherever you are taking on kids with challenging life conditions, you've given up weekends to do this. And this is something to do on the regular. And so whatever work you're putting in is going back out there into the world on some level. I mean, you dedicate a lot of time into educating people and bringing stories to people. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of negative you could say about that. So I just want to make sure to, you know, to, to say that and then to thank you for your support of National Land Agents. There's several agents that I know that, that have worked with you all that, that speak so highly of the, the influence that you've had on that, of the, the, you know, the press that you've helped give them for their listings and stuff. So sure. almost everything I see you all doing is given back on some level. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate that big time, Mike, but I mean, I, I
1: want to, I do want to say this, that we have struggled. We have, we've, we've had our moments. We've, we've done things wrong over the years. I mean, we've had, you know, and I say we, myself, I've had wrong hearts. I've had wrong motives at times. I've, I've learned a lot. God's brought me and, and us through a lot. Uh, and I just want to say that, I mean, God is still working with us and he's given us a heart to take people and, and this and that, and he's given us this. And I, I want to point it all back to him because, you know, uh, I sure don't want to toot our own horn. We, we've been through things that regular people go through. We've been, cause we are regular people. I mean, and, um, and again, yeah, God is using us, using our platform and we're going to continue that way. Um, you know, Lord willing, and um, but like I said, I, <laughs> I I just want people to know that I, I messed up big time, lots of time.
2: Yeah, let's like attest to that. Yeah, Cole, go <laughs> go
0: Cole. Cole can give us all the dirt there. I was gonna say, yeah. I, I yeah. think that's yeah. how we become better is to make <laughs> lots of mistakes. You know, you you don't. Some of us got to touch that stove. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Daniel, you got anything to add or anything? I want to I give you I, – I got you, like, oh. you came in – you you're driving half this time, and I want to make sure I got, I got your platform here for you.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's – you know, I mean, to Jeff's point, we have made a lot of mistakes, been doing it a long time, and, you know, um, and you're going to have people that like you or love you and people that don't, you know, in the TV business and – You know, uh, I think our strive, and sometimes people look down a little bit on just the stuff that we've been lucky enough or blessed with for for ourselves. You know, some of the land. I mean, uh, we're we're going out tonight to hunt on land that Jeff owns. You know, that he actually owns himself, and that's that's no easy feat. We've come a long way and put a lot of hard work and effort into it. And haters going to hate just the way it is. You know, I mean. I mean, there ain't really nothing you can do about it. But Jeff's right, we made a lot of mistakes and God's just brought us through it on all of it. Same way with National Land. You know, that was a true blessing. It was a rough time there for a while and blessing. And National Land popped right up and came into it. And it was perfect timing. And I mean, those things don't happen by accident. You know, God's mm-hmm. timing's perfect. Amen.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, we're moving up on that time. I want to be respectful of y'all's time. Uh, so just want to take an opportunity here to thank you all for, for your time, uh, in this conversation, I'm very much appreciate that. Uh, I want to give you an open platform too. any last little bits that you want to put out there. Well, one, I want to, uh, I want to
1: thank National Land. I mean, obviously the group, but I, I want to thank to just the guys that we've been working with. And, you know, we've really not to even sat down with a lot of these guys that work with our show and put their land on our, our stuff. And we're so appreciative of that and, and just that partnership. Um, you know, Ronnie Richardson, we, we just, uh, can't say enough good things about him. And, you know, we, we want to continue to, uh, do for you guys and we're going to continue to help others whether that's whoever it is somebody looking for land somebody want to sell their land whatever it might be so um yeah that's kind of where i'm at with you guys and just in general we're going to keep doing what we do we're going to keep uh, sharing the gospel we're going to hopefully lord willing to keep shooting some big deer and um but yeah one thing too just to mention it we
2: um we've got this woodsman ministries thing going, uh, where we get to take these kids out who are, and not even kids, it's just people, yeah. you know, old, young, whatever they may going through, uh, maybe going through, but, um, it, everything takes money. Everybody knows that. And so Woodsman Ministries is a, it's a nonprofit, but yeah. you, you gotta have money to, to go do all these things. So, you know, if there's people out there who, you know, maybe can, um, you know,
0: do, donate to it. What um, is it? Wisdomministries.org. Wisdom, yeah, if you send me the link, I'll post the donation link on, yeah. on the podcast itself and make sure the donation yeah. link is on yeah. there for y'all. Yeah.
2: And all that money is being used to, you know, take care of these hunts. Obviously, sharing the gospel is the most important. Um, and then it's going to, you know, it's going to be used on TV too. So mm. production costs and all yeah. that. everything costs money. So well, and there is a board of directors. What is
1: it? Six people. And there's, I think most of them are pastors across the world.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll get that posted and very good cause. Yeah.
2: Other than that, follow us on social media, uh, YouTube and all that fun stuff. So we don't always know what we're doing, but we have fun with it. All right.
0: Well, Jeff, Daniel, Cole, very much appreciate your time yet again. Hope to talk to you again soon. This concludes episode number 63 for the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing shot placement, hunting ethics, and volunteer efforts with Cole Cannon, Jeff Danker, and Daniel McVeigh of Buck Ventures. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.